0: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, a show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm your host, Dale Spangler, and this week our guest is Sean Brennan, Senior PR Director for Feld Motorsports, promoters of the Monster Energy AMA Supercross Championship. This episode of Pit Pass Moto is brought to you by Moto America. Moto America is the home of AMA Superbike Racing and is North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2022 series and revisit all the action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and original video content. To view the complete 2023 Moto America race schedule, head over to MotoAmerica.com and be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for real time series updates. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome back to Pit Pass Moto, Sean Brennan. Sean, I know how it's been from my perspective watching the Supercross Series so far this year. How have things been for you?
1: Well, hey, first off, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, My goodness, 2023 is off to... Boy, an amazing start. Uh, thrilled that you have been able to catch all of the the racing action uh, so far. And uh, boy, what a year. Three sellouts uh, to start the season with our California run. Both Anaheim's were sellouts. Uh, and then San Diego was a sellout as well. And then Houston, uh, we had 50,000 in our first NFL stadium uh, this past weekend. So The racing has been amazing, and attendance is certainly showing uh, that our fans are into it uh, for this season as well, which is great. Yeah, you kind of touched on it there. That was
0: one of my questions. Like now that we're kind of back in full swing with the series into some of these places like Southern California where the series traditionally started, and the crowds just seem like they're back in full force. And I could tell that just from like A1 and A2 – I mean, what's been your insider's experience and in perspective? It's got to be a good feeling when you see that, you know, packed full house of fans. And I think the writers probably appreciate it as well.
1: Oh, they do. It is such an energy when you're there in person, as you know. Uh, and, you know, we certainly, certainly do our best to capture that energy, you know, on the television broadcast. But as you know from being at these races, the energy is unlike, you know, really any other sport. Uh, And we hear it from the athletes all the time. I mean, kids grow up dreaming about opening ceremonies and that energy and the stadium and Saturday night Supercross and being under the lights, you know, and now... Rather than the uh, the old days of the concerts, you know, rock concerts with the big Lighters, it's all about the flashlights on your cell phones. Uh, but that is a really dramatic moment in our opening ceremonies and seeing all the fans out there. But yeah, we hear from the athletes all the time. The energy is unreal at our races. Our fans bring it each and every time. To start the season... You know, to your initial point, yeah, I think that the pandemic, you know, boy, we have all been through a lot uh, these last three years. I was just thinking, you know, today it was three years ago that, you know, we were here in our home market of Tampa And we're thrilled to be back racing Tampa, you know, this next upcoming round. We love it when we're here in our home market. But really, that was almost the start of everything, where it was really starting to get pretty serious around the Tampa race. Uh, And then, of course, when we got to Daytona. You know, it really got bad and things were starting to shut down. And of course, you know, by the following round in Indianapolis, the entire sports world was shut down. So, you know, to your point, I think that some fans, depending on, you know, their level of health and their level of um, concern for the pandemic, it's been in waves as to their comfortability with uh, going to, you know, not only live sporting events, but rock concerts and things like that. Uh, But I think from what we are seeing, especially with our fan base, that that folks are are way past that and just excited to be in person and uh, to be at live sporting events again. And of course, our Monster Energy Supercross races. I would would almost go
0: so far as to say like, a good way to compare Supercross for someone who's never experienced it is the probably the Monster Jam, the Monster Truck series, which happens to be another, you know, series that the Feld promotes. Would you say that's kind of there's some similarities there as far as, you know, the overall experience if you're a spectator?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, Monster Jam It is a spectator sport for sure, and we have an all-day experience, if you will, out in the paddock so that you can, you know, meet all the athletes, you know, get up close with all of the trucks. Uh, You know, we are in the live entertainment business, so experience and fan experience is heavy on our strategy, and like a Disney World, we think of everything, you know, from Uh, Of course, purchasing your tickets to showing up, knowing where to go, what to expect, you know, under-promising but over-delivering uh, on all of those experiences is certainly something that we, that we try to do. But yeah, the Monster Jam experience and Supercross, there are a lot of things that we use on both of those properties that work very well. And anytime we learn something with Monster Jam uh, that we think that will work with Supercross, we absolutely employ it and implement it. Uh, And then same with Supercross. There's a lot of things that we do on Supercross that work very well there that we can then use in in Monster Jam as well. And I would, you know, further say that all of our brands, everything from Disney on Ice to Jurassic World Live, there are things that we are learning from our other teams uh, whether it's fan experience or you know upgrades, you know VIP type experiences, you know we learn from each other, and that is a definite benefit of working with a world class outfit like we have that are putting on world class events and touring around the world, not just here domestically. So we learn things and you know try to throw out the bad and keep the good, and always continue uh, to improve. Speaking of learning. In many ways, it's been, you
0: know, a year of firsts, you know, like this is the first major change we've seen in decades for this new super motocross series, you know, where we've got outdoor series, supercross series. And then at the end of the year, you've got these super motocross playoffs not to mention you had a race postponed in Oakland because of weather. And that's something that hasn't happened for nearly 50 years. So it's been a little bit weird. And I imagine you've had to do some adjustments along the way with this whole new series format and things like the, you know, the Oakland Supercross having to be moved. So tell me a little bit about that, you know, like this new series structure. I mean, the excitement's got to be just over the top.
1: It really is. And my goodness, a year of first. This is our 50th year of supercross here in America. Think about that. Yeah. 50 years of supercross racing here and as i like to remind people we're as american as it is apple pie and baseball right <laughs> <laughs> yep it was born here in america of course we certainly acknowledge our heritage with motocross and emigrating from europe uh but man supercross was born right here at la memorial coliseum back in 1972 And of course, we take our start from 1974 when it was a points paying part of of the championship. But a year of first, it's incredible that after all this time that we still are uh, experiencing new things, you know, to the Oakland thing, you know, when flooding is so bad that there is uh, casualties of life in a certain market, you know, it's not about just rain and being uncomfortable, of course, it's very important that all of our athletes are safe, number one, but all of our fans are safe, you know, number two. So we will always take those things into consideration because, again, you want the ticket buying fans to experience a great race. You want to keep our athletes certainly safe and all of those things. But when there's a loss of life in a certain market because of torrential downpours and flooding and things like that, It really was the only choice to make in that situation. Uh, It was certainly unfortunate. Uh, Is it inconvenient on all of us? Absolutely. Uh, But was it the right call? Absolutely as well. So, you know, we were fortunate that we had, uh, you know, a built-in bye week, if you will, and the 18th was open. Uh, We certainly didn't want it to linger into the season. So we were fortunate that we were able to reschedule everything on the 18th and make those decisions as quickly as possible so that we can communicate that uh, not only to our fans that have made ticket purchases, uh, but for all of our, you know, the, the logistics behind Supercross, not only from our standpoint, but from all of our race teams all the way to the privateers that you know, have budgets uh, already appropriated for the year. It's a lot. There's a lot of logistics that go into moving a date and certainly is nothing that we would take lightly for sure. But the Super Motocross World Championship, my goodness, uh, this is a neat, neat time in the history of our sport. We have always felt like it is one sport, two different disciplines. And you know, really everything happens for a reason. And I think that coming out of the pandemic and everything that we learned in working closer with MX Sports Pro Racing and the Outdoor Pro Motocross Series, uh, we learned a lot uh, in working closer with the teams in full transparency and not making any decisions in a vacuum. Uh, we learned a lot with all of that. And that's really what led to, to where we are now. It is still very difficult, I know in a lot of fans as to what this is going to look like uh, from a storytelling standpoint, from a point standpoint, from a playoff standpoint. And until we actually get through it and everybody realizes, wow, okay. That's what that is. (laughs) I think that, you know, a lot of fans are still a little, you know, curious as to what we are doing and really what is the Super Motocross World Championship. But it is going to be a neat fall. Uh, The seating in the top 20 and combined points and the best athletes in the world uh, and now having something to look forward to and a playoff and another championship and obviously you know a big prize at the end of all of this and the richest payout uh, that our sport has ever seen you know with 10 million dollars across all three five and a half million dollars for those final three races uh there there's a lot uh that we are excited about and to your original point yes a year of first for sure
0: It makes absolute sense. Me personally, I've been around this my entire life. I mean, it just seems like it's clarified, consolidated everything to where now, like these teams going forward, they know what their season's going to look like. And I feel like it's going to really help with the planning process. Before it was like Supercross season, and then you went into a completely separate outdoor season. And then the fall was kind of like a free for all, like riders were looking for things to do. So it's it's really kind of nice from that perspective to have this, you know, one series all together. I would imagine this took a long time planning, but then I also assumed, you know, things like the World Supercross Series coming along, that probably sped things up.
1: Yeah, in, in a way it did, but, you know, we were already having these conversations. We knew that we needed to work closer with the Outdoor Series. There were some things that were really already in, in the works, if you will. But I would say the pandemic sped up that whole process more than anything. In Daytona of 2020, uh, we had meetings already scheduled and had already had conversations with MX Sports Pro Racing. And at that point, it was really, you know, more about you know kind of pie in the sky things like what would it look like if we were to combine forces and you know even at that point. You know, it, you know, Dave Prater and and Todd Gendro were really the ones that were in those meetings. You know, with Kerry Coombs, Russell, and and Davey Coombs, and you know, other key stakeholders. You know, on, on that side of the fence, and you know, it was really a sit down on how can we work better together. And then by Friday of that week, the entire sports world was shut down. And we really had to come together because we're already 10 rounds in our season. And then, of course, MX Pro Racing was, you know, thinking, boy, what's going to happen with our season that's, you know, two months away? You know, how do we, one, finish and complete our championship? How do we plan and keep the athletes safe going into the pro motocross season? So that really started everything and once we started figuring all of that out, then it was you know what this is for the greater good of you know the entire industry, uh, and there are a lot of you know other things that we can be working towards uh, in the bigger picture. So, you know, and that's where Super Motocross was born. And you know the biggest need coming out of the pandemic was a synchronized television and media rights deal. So that was after, you know, COVID, that was really the next big bucket list item that needed to be tackled. And our seasons and our media rights deals, you know, were never really in line with one another. They certainly have had races and have had partnerships with NBC Sports, as we have had. Uh, but they've also, uh, the, the MX Sports and, and Pro Motocross had deals with MAV TV and things like that, uh, but they were never in sync with one another. So that was really the next biggest thing is, okay, in 2023, we actually have an opportunity for both sports to be able to pitch together and you know really try and make it easier on fans, number one, but also find a meteorites rights partner that is investing into the future of the sport and in tv land even though like you know as growing as our sport is as you know you know 17 events in media rights land isn't long enough 12 events in tv land is not long enough you know you look at every other major sport and how many races nascar has 30 plus Uh, An NFL season, uh, 17 games, plus the playoffs, plus the Super Bowl. Um, These are bigger, longer seasons than we had individually. So combining forces, again, one sport, two disciplines, combined with a playoff and a Super Bowl, now gives us 10 months of storytelling and 31 events within a 10 month span that is really what led to you know NBC and Peacock being you know more attracted and attracted to a long term investment over a 5 year period i would say that you know the pandemic really is the the main driver that had us working together and did it you know force our hand a little bit in solving some of these issues a little bit quicker uh probably But we did know that for 2023, from a media rights standpoint, that it would be better if we were aligned together uh, so that we could go and pitch that and be ready for the 2023 season.
0: Before you finish today's episode, first, we have a word from our sponsor. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. Well, I think it's been absolutely a brilliant move so far. And as you said, we've yet to see these playoffs, but, you know, just everything you just talked about right now makes complete sense. You know, we've seen it with like other series like Formula One that's more popular than ever. It's pretty much a year round series. Um, So let's talk a little bit about these playoffs, though, because it's really exciting on two fronts. Not only are they going to be hybrid tracks at Speedways, but it's also going to be kind of a hybrid fan experience, too. So Tell us about that, because I think it's going to be a really unique experience at these playoffs.
1: Now, you're absolutely right. And that has been something, you know, from the get-go that we wanted to incorporate. We wanted to, one, make it very accessible uh, to everyone in the country to attend these races. So we have, you know, the West Coast represented by the L.A. Memorial Coliseum and the World Championship final round. Uh, the middle of the country— at Chicagoland Speedway represented, uh, as well as the East Coast uh, and the Eastern Seaboard with uh, uh, Z-Max Dragway that is part of the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So that was one thing is that we wanted to make these rounds accessible, whether you're flying and or driving. So I would say that is, you know, was part of the overall strategy is one, which we certainly incorporated. Secondly, the ability for our sport, and you know, we can talk about Malcolm Stewart right now. We can talk about Austin Forkner. That you know, in every other sport, as soon as a major athlete goes down, what is everybody thinking? Wow, will they be back uh, in time to be able to help our team in the playoffs and you know, the Super Bowl? Uh, Every other sport has those storytelling opportunities. And in our sport, it was always, my goodness, you know, the championship is done. The season is done. Uh, For us, depending on the severity of the injury, uh, do they not come back for Supercross at all and then just start preparing for the outdoors? Uh, Is the injury and recovery and rehab uh, long enough that – they'll be out for the entire year and there's nothing to race for at all within this you know race calendar. but right now Austin Forkner you know has a lot to come back for. He has a reason to come back and if that ends up being at the tail end of Supercross and or if it's able to come back you know in Pro motocross, uh, he is still working towards combined points and seeding into the playoffs which we've never had. Malcolm Stewart, same thing. I don't know if uh, he has made it public or the team has made it public, what his recovery process will be, but if there is a chance for him to come back and be a part of the playoffs and the world championship final, like that is excitement that all of I mean, we all want to see that and our sport has never had that kind of uh, we've never had that opportunity before. So I think that that is going to be incredibly exciting for all of us moving forward. And again, it's hard to to see what this is going to look like until we've all lived through it. But there is still a big prize at the end. The integrity of the Supercross championship is still in play. I mean, you know, that is still the, the best riders around the world compete in Supercross The best riders uh, around the world come to America to compete in pro motocross. And, you know, those, the integrity of of winning each one of them championships is still intact. But to be able to now come and have another championship to play for that is completely unique uh, in our sport is going to be amazing. So the combined, as you were mentioning, these tracks, we've never seen them before before. Uh, I shy away a little bit from using the term hybrid because our vision is 100%. These are going to be unique, never seen before, super motocross championship level tracks. And they're going to incorporate the best of both worlds, as I like to say, That, you know, you'll still see signature triple jumps, you'll still see fast rhythm sections uh, and speed that is typical in the outdoors. So the racing is going to be really unique. The challenge on the race teams is going to be unique. The setup for these are going to be completely different than prepping just for supercross or prepping just for pro motocross. So that is going to be a challenge like we've never seen in our sport before. But then the fan experience, like you're you know mentioning, that is a, a little surprise, I think that we are bringing to the party, if you will, where we're hosting these events at ZMAX Dragway, Chicagoland Speedway, and the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. These will all allow enough footprint and a big enough footprint uh, that we can create a very unique, super motocross fan experience what's unique from a fan experience on the you know the outdoors and pro motocross is being able to line the fence you know and show jet lawrence uh you know a poster you know that you love him and you know being up close to the action and that's going to be a first for our sport you know under this umbrella but that is very much a part of our design Uh, not only from the race front the track building front but also the fan experience uh, front making this completely unique.
0: Yeah. I I mean, personally, I look forward to it. I think, you know, the final round being in the L.A. Coliseum, I was able to race there way back in 89 during the uh, on the East West shootout back when we we still raced in that stadium. Amazing. Yeah. So much history (laughs) with that. I saw where they were just racing. I think they were racing NASCAR in that stadium this past weekend.
1: Yeah, they had uh, the clash event. Uh, so this is the second year of the NASCAR clash and yeah, very unique, uh, very unique race that is, you know, different for them and a great, uh, start to their season. Uh, it seemed like it, uh, it went off really well. I know it was, uh, you know, really attended by a lot of celebrities. Uh, Mr. You know, it's neat. Wiz Khalifa, uh, attended our celebrity event in Anaheim. And then this week, he was a, a featured performer uh, as part of their the NASCAR Clash as well. So, you know, it's neat seeing different celebrities and different folks all enjoying motorsports. Any way that you can bring new fans over to experience what we are doing is a big part. It is a big win for all of us. Not everybody grows up on two wheels, you know. Uh, <laughs> I rode. You race. So kudos to you. But... My goodness, uh, anytime you can get anybody out to a race, once they experience what Supercross uh, and even Pro Motocross is from a live event standpoint, man, they they become fans for life.
0: Well, I'm more jealous of your music background and some of the different uh, celebrity musicians you've been able to see through the years. And, <laughs> and speaking of that, you kind of mentioned it like at A2 it was celebrity night, and I saw some great photos of you with you know members of White Snake and Twisted Sister and Green Day, and I mean probably the list goes on and on. Was there a favorite of a musician that you got to meet that night?
1: Oh my goodness, absolutely, Rudy Sarzo, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Rudy Sarzo for sure. My goodness, founding member, you know of Quiet Riot. Rudy ended up going with Randy Rhodes. They both went from Quiet Riot over to. Ozzy Osbourne, you know the groundbreaking first two records with Ozzy that really put his solo career on the map, uh, and then from that, you know, he went to White Snake. Very, very active still with recording and touring. Uh, but yeah, Rudy Sarzo is definitely my personal favorite for sure. Well,
0: one one question I wanted to ask you here as as we wind down this interview is: I'm curious to know, like, in your position as being the senior director of public relations you know like what's one of the most challenging things about your job
1: the most challenging it's interesting you bring it up it's on two fronts you know and I I bring it back to journalistic integrity you know there's a younger generation right now that and you know we, we talked a little bit about music so let's go back to the Napster days do you remember Napster oh yeah (laughs) And that really, for the music industry, that was a groundbreaking moment. And, you know, everything is for free. It's on the internet, file sharing. You know, fans could just rip, you know, their entire catalog and share it with whoever they wanted. And, you know, there's no recourse as far as the musician who created it. And I would say that we struggle with the exact same thing. And, you know, especially with media in the sense that there are, you know, aspiring media folks that think it's absolutely fine to sit at home and rip from our Peacock live stream and add analysis to stuff and think that that's, you know, journalism. And it's not. There are is a YouTube generation, same thing, that are stealing photos, you know, from legit media sources that invest in going to events. And we have an entire generation of media that's growing up on YouTube thinking that it's absolutely fine uh, to just steal things off the internet. So my biggest challenge is dealing with this new generation of, of media folks. And, you know, trying to educate them on copyright and what is journalism, what is allowed, what is not allowed, and things like that. And even photography, photography from the stands, same thing, you know, they sneak the cameras into our events. And it's one thing to, to tag Eli Tomac in a photograph because you want to show him. But we have aspiring media and aspiring photographers that, you know, it's going towards a commercial endeavor when not only is they tag an Eli Tomac, but why in the heck would you tag every one of Eli's sponsors? There's no reason to do that other than you're trying to get noticed and you hope that they use your photo that will eventually lead to additional work. It's a huge issue uh, and one of the most challenging things that I deal with on you know, a day-to-day and a week-to-week basis.
0: Yeah. So it almost sounds like, you know, that old school kind of like journalistic integrity slash, you know, etiquette is just not there. And you're having to educate them. And I know exactly what you mean. Every time I open up YouTube, I swear there's another person like, where'd this count come from? And and so, yeah, they're just basically taking someone else's footage or photos and then overlaying their commentary. So, yeah, it's definitely a wild west out there, isn't it?
1: Yes, it it really is and you know my message to any of these guys are that you know we are happy to work with you on a legit way. Certainly you have to have an audience, you have to have a big enough audience, you know, to get the type of access that is warranted, you know, for media credentials and things like that. But there's a lot of other things that we can provide and are happy to do so in a legit way if you're really investing and you want a career In media, because YouTube certainly does play, uh, you know, a huge role in the spectrum of platforms. Podcasts still play a huge spectrum, um, you know, as far as platforms. Uh, And we are certainly, you know, adapting to these different mediums and are happy to work with these newcomers into our sport. Again, it's all about growing it. It's all about new eyeballs and having new people come in. So anytime that we can tap into a new audience, uh, we are happy to do so and happy to, uh, to work with you. But there are roles in this game. And, you know, it, it's about respecting, you know, the roles of that uh, and adhering to it. Um, that is our biggest challenge right now.
0: Well, it's exciting stuff. What's going on in the supercross series this year and the entire super motocross series. To me, I look at it like this is, you know, something we've needed for a while. Maybe we didn't even know it, but like you said, maybe COVID woke us up a little bit, but I feel like it's the next evolution in this series. And, uh, I'm really happy to see it and, you know, super excited for you guys, you know, what you've been able to put into this series and looking forward to those playoffs So uh, before we close, though, any last words or shout outs you'd like to share? Now would be the time. Again, great job on the series this year. Just looking forward to seeing the sport continue to grow.
1: Hey, thank you uh, again for this opportunity. And and yeah, I would just say, you know, a big thank you to all of our fans for continuing to support what we do, uh, whether that is through Peacock subscriptions, attending the races live in person. Uh, tuning in when we're on NBC and USA Network. Uh, we have great fans. They are loyal fans. They support the industry. They support the athletes. They buy motorcycles. They buy gear. Uh, we are a very loyal sport, which is amazing. But then, you know, also, you know, Dale, a big thank you to all of our media uh, as well. So I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, and we really do have a healthy uh, landscape of media that are beat writers, if you will, and we're fortunate to have that. Every one of our athletes is unique. Every one of them has a story of sacrifice. And I would say, right now, for you know, if you're a fan of Supercross and Pro Motocross and Super Motocross, there is so much content out there now. Uh, there are so many different access points. We really are in a media-rich environment right now, and. You know, these different entities, you know, and the different mediums like YouTube and TikTok and and certainly podcasts. I mean, there is so many different ways to consume our sport now that is a just a true blessing of the times.
0: Never been a better time in my mind to be a fan of Supercross and motocross. So just awesome to see. And again, Sean Brennan, thank you so much for your time today. Keep up the awesome work with the series.
1: Thank you very much.
0: enjoyed this episode be sure to follow pit pass moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode and if you have a moment please rate and review our show we'd appreciate it you can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmoto.com where you can listen to past episodes and purchase your very own pit pass moto swag this has been a production of evergreen podcasts a special thank you to tommy boy helverson and the production team at Wessler media I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening.
1: Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay.